welcome everyone to another episode of Cafe Booleans, joined by uh, our usual friends, Costa Canatsellas, John Osman. And uh, unfortunately, look, we've had to let Susanna go. There's, you know, been some incidences. Wow. Brutal. We, uh, she gets sick one day and we boot her. <laughs> well, I mean, they're called personal mugs for a reason. You can't just go into the kitchen and help yourself. Like, there are rules. We're trying yeah, to live in a society. Uh, she drank my like entire tin of coffee in one go as well. She's unhinged. She's, uh, she's I didn't basically didn't want to bring human. it up, but you know, well, she's not here anymore. So <laughs> anymore. <laughs> um, of course, I'm joking. Um, Susanna is still here and still loved. Um, she's just feeling a bit under the weather, so we've been very incredibly lucky to be joined by Chantel from the AGD Discord. Welcome, Chantel. Thank you. Hello. Um, cool. So let's get right into it with our friend Costa's uh, article. Mm. So today's article comes from VentureBeat. So Fold partners with Niantic to create an AR-based Bitcoin rewards app. It's pretty interesting. We were talking about Niantic last episode. Um, Fold is a reward and payments app, and it's actually partnered with Niantic, the creators of Pokemon Go, to create the Fold AR beta app, which overlays Bitcoin prizes over the real world. It uses Niantic's real-world mapping tech and Fold's feature for earning Bitcoin rewards. The company calls this a step into the real-world metaverse, as we keep hearing this word, um, and the universe Met- of virtual metaverse. worlds that are all interconnected, like in novels such as Snow Crash and Ready Player One. So everyone's thoughts on this. Are they mining the Bitcoin or is the Bitcoin already mined? I think it is. Uh, Pre-mined Bitcoin. Yeah, <laughs> Here's something I prepared earlier. <laughs> but it's, it's built on um, it's built on Niantic's. Uh, I think they've opened, or not open source, but they've got a library called Lightship or something, which is Lightship or maybe I'm saying that wrong. But basically it's a way for opening it up for other developers to um, build things on their platform. And they also just raised right. about, I think, like $200 million or $300 million as well. So they're valued very highly at the moment. Um, but, yeah, it's kind of like they've got a couple of different screenshots here. And um, for some reason, it looks like people are mining at a at a lake or something. <laughs> and there's a bunch of orange pills and poison pills and diamond hands. And all of it equates to Bitcoin. They're it's actually, the lake. you chase Bitcoin in the real world. That's literally what it is. You chase Bitcoin in the yeah. So it's uh, Pokemon Go, but you're actually making money. Yeah. Yep. Pretty much. Damn. Do you reckon we're going to see the same thing we did with Pokemon Go, where it would just go crazy at first, and everyone's going to be out of the house? And yeah, yeah. actually, that's probably not a good thing <laughs> at the moment. <laughs> Deadly just... NFTs. Well, it's pretty cool. Yeah, like you right. got you got. I mean, it's it's very strange. You got a company coming from like a payments point of view and now they're like joining to jump into creating some sort of like game so you see all these companies now just jumping into like gamify you know running around and searching for for bitcoins interesting it it, it doesn't i mean it doesn't feel like the best use of the technology like mm. i mean it it's a, it sounds like a a use but it doesn't sound like an engage. Like it sounds very surface level. Like this is all really new, and they're just like, "Uh, how about a game where you earn 
flybys for awards. <laughs> like, yeah, it's definitely like the the, the intro of, of these kind of apps. Like, yeah, and, and if you look at, you know, even if you look at the stuff that they already do, like they've got like on their current Fold app, which is um, like a wallet app, you know, they've got these things like you get to spin, like spin a wheel once a day and win free prizes and deals. And so it seems oh, like they're already trying man. to like – gamify just collecting or like just having a wallet like the yeah seems like maybe a bit gimmicky yeah. but like mm-hmm. pretty cool that they're using Niantic stuff I, I don't know don't know if this is what they're doing but looking at the pictures here um i'm getting very much like kind of gambling vibes which is yeah. one of the big things that the games industry has been like heavily pushing back on in the last decade yeah um, i'm pretty sure there's a number of laws that have come mm. in in the last five years as well just against this very thing so. yeah there was that big response to the ea loot boxes that really pushed a lot of the gambling laws into place it is interesting because okay. nfts that using real money that kind of dealing in real money sir how do these kinds of gambling functions like a spin the wheel and earn something how does that fit into video games these days? And are we going to see something like an R rating on games? Like, are these going to be marketed to kids? Yeah, totally. I, I was going to say the same thing because if kids are allowed to do this, especially, I mean, kids who, like, let's say they can't make much money because they can't get a job yet and they parents won't let them do or get much money for chores or whatever. Um, I mean, I guess earning Bitcoin could be a way they could actually earn money kind of underneath all those parental and other systems. Yeah. Um, and if there's something like this that's letting them do it, which is forcing them to kind of go out exploring and stuff, which kind of sounds like a good thing, but, you know, <laughs> it really depends how it's executed, I guess. Also, the thing with the spin wheel, um, have you seen those like ultra casual games? Like ultra, like all it is is you're tapping a button and... You tap a button until you can unlock points, enough points for the button to start tapping itself. And then, oh, like, the clicker games. Yeah. Like, man, those are so good. Oh, <laughs> uh, okay. Explain this to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the first this, one. This is I like play- people who yeah. like Kanye West. <laughs> I love Kanye West. <laughs> I, look, I like some <laughs> Kanye West. I like some Kanye no, West. I, but it feels I, like everyone who does is in on some big conspiracy. It's like, yeah, man, weren't you invited? No, just for a change. Oh, uh, don't worry about it. Then. <laughs> I'm kidding. I no, like Kanye. No, no, Kanye's he's pretty good. But there uh, isn't but like click, a I like Kanye. It's like I love oh, Kanye. You said it's that. Like a game. You said that, Alex. You're like I love you, Kanye. Just don't just, don't diss me if you're listening. <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah. This independent artist. If Kanye brushes his teeth now. Ooh. Oh, because we're talking about this. This is this is for people who have just tuned into the podcast. Before we hit record, we were talking about. Uh, celebrities who don't brush their teeth and whether that is a show of confidence or whether it's a show of not being self-aware or whether it's something else entirely. So I would say um, it's a thing of confidence because artists are usually pretty self-aware to a point. So, or, or they've at least got a marketing team. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let them know. Can this be like the hidden, the hidden poll of this week's? Yeah, this <laughs> yeah. is our next poll. Yeah. Next Do you episode. brush your teeth? <laughs> teeth if so. And why? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right, good. We're going to get all these people that don't brush their teeth that are like passionately responding to this poll. Yeah. It's like, yeah, it's the best thing in the world. Kanye, um, we believe you brush your teeth. They're, they're very pearly white and your music is great. Just <laughs> a lot of people love you and it's c- confusing sometimes. Right? <laughs> 
um, he, and just like the to, clicker games, just, people either love them or they hate them. There isn't like a oh yeah, you know, I occasionally play the old clicker game. It's like your reaction to it, John. Before okay, look, I'm reacting that way. I, I actually hardly ever play them, to be honest. However, when I first found them, I think the first one I played was Clicker Heroes, which is like essentially an RPG where you've got your like JRPG hero and you're slaying monsters and you're leveling up and you're getting stronger and all that stuff. However, the only mechanic is you're clicking on the screen. Um, And you know what was really interesting about it, um, which is both what made it a cool game and also the point where I found it too much effort and I stopped playing. (laughs) Um, Basically, the way they had designed it is that um, you can only get to a certain level by clicking through and choosing certain upgrade options um, because there was like, I couldn't even explain the math behind this, but it's like you physically couldn't um, get strong enough to get past level 100, let's say, um, without knowing the exact optimum path of like which upgrades to do at which time. And so people have created these like huge guides online. Like think think back to your old GameFAQ guides, game mm-hmm. game FAQ guides. Uh, where it's like text-based. People have done that and they've got all the maths of like what to pick and like how much damage per, sec- uh, per second it does. Um, and like, yeah, it's yeah. once it hit that, I was like, well, you know, <laughs> this has gone from yeah. like the, the most casual game in the world to one of the most complex. Well, it, well, it, it sounds like it's from, a, from a game design perspective, it's designed to keep you on as, as long as possible. And, uh, you know, it's like like you said, it's so impossible to actually try to get to whatever this this unattainable level is because they want you to keep playing it casually non-stop forever <laughs> it's not like a game you know single player game where you you, you conquer it and and that's it well, that's it right so why does fold want you to keep making money how are they getting their money mm. like what's it to them i mean I th- money is incentivized from outside the game well way. i think i have i have a feeling i mean it kind of helps like it kind of feeds into their other product, which is a wallet. So I would I would assume it's just a it's gamifying using their wallet. I'm guessing any, anything you find just goes straight into your wallet. That's part of the app, which means you end up using it, and then they end up getting money in some way. Now, have you confirmed that they're allowing the users to take 100% of the Bitcoin mm. that they mine, or are they taking a percentage and essentially having people mine on their behalf? Oh, man. Yeah, who knows? Yeah, it's, it's in beta at the moment, so they could, yeah, they could very well be figuring out the way that they can uh, bank on it, let's say. Especially, yeah, because that would just create them like a worldwide network of Bitcoin miners just yeah. doing mining for them. Yeah, it's a little bit uh, a little bit creepy there. Yeah. I mean, so this is some yeah. mastermind-ish. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like we need to get Fold's like response to our like wild accusations. Yeah. Well, yeah, Fold, Fold Visa debit card holders will be able to collect special rewards and powers that increase their Bitcoin cashback rewards in the AR experience. Users mm. of the Fold AR app can jump into the metaverse experience every 10 minutes to locate and open a Bitcoin rewards block. After tapping to open the block, prizes appear that includes fractions of Bitcoins known as Satoshis and other exclusive prizes. Yeah. yeah. The characters in it, they look like they're giant pills. Yeah, like, orange yeah, pill poison. Like drugs. Pills. Yeah. It's, this, you know what that looks like? The, the AR screenshots look like... You know yeah. that South Park episode where um, Stan's dad is playing Xbox and he's just following the, was it the unicorn, just to, <laughs> taking drugs? It's like, just a little further. You almost can't. Like, I mean, there yeah. was like no, 
creativity in these little jelly bean people. Yeah. Well, I'm sorry. It is what it is. I mean, <laughs> I got I went hard on you, but by the sounds of it, you got the money. You'll bounce back. You <laughs> yeah, it is interesting. I, it would be interesting to see what the final product looks mm. like because I agree with you, Alex. Like this concept art that is here, I I could not see that actually eventuating in an actual game. Yeah, it's just kind of bright stuff it's everywhere. Gamification. That's what I'd call it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Be an interesting one. Yeah. Um, well, John Osman, you're up. up. Oh me, I'm up next, am yeah. I? Speaking of, uh, oh, we got to figure out the segue here. Speaking uh, of global, yeah, technology. You know what the problem I realized with our segues is that we say the segue joke before we've even said the title to the audience. <laughs> I was thinking so that. that's why it's <laughs> the best. Is just like they're just like, what the hell are they saying? So, all right, let me think of when it. Speaking of pills, think, speaking of things you put in your mouth, <laughs> we're talking about chips here and not the crispy potato time. We're talking about the global chip shortage and the ecosystem of globalization. That's a great segue. Um, well, thank amazing. you. Um, so basically, uh, this started off for me. I was at my workplace. Uh, we've got a big... TV screen that's hooked up to a Raspberry Pi, which kind of streams the most recent articles from The Verge, I think it is. And probably at least once a fortnight, I see an article there that says, um, like, quickly, Sony PS5s are now available at Amazon at this link. Mm. And then in brackets, it says, sorry, all sold out. Because by the time it like gets published and it makes its way to our TV, you know, within five minutes, whatever, they're already sold out. So. <laughs> Um, but I saw that again this morning, um, and so I thought I would look into it a bit more. Um, now, obviously, this has been going on for a little while. Um, one of the first things I found, let, let me take you on a little bit of a rabbit hole here. One of the first things I found uh, was that apparently Amazon um, only lets people with Amazon Prime accounts buy those at the moment. Um, so you kind of have to have the premium membership to actually... Uh, get a chance of buying the PS5 through Amazon. Oh, wow. um, now, let, let me take this in a slightly different direction and I guess you guys can pick out whatever you find interesting and we can talk about that. Um, th this got me interested in the the global chip shortage, which is basically one of the big reasons that we're currently seeing uh, a lack of PS5s and other consoles at the moment. Um, and I, I was interested, all right, wh why is this global chip shortage happening? Uh and a number of the top speculated factors at the moment, uh, number one is COVID-19, the, the reason for a lot of things at the moment. Um, that's been shut, shutting down uh, chip factories across the world. No big surprise there. Uh, it also means that a lot of people have been locked inside, um, meaning they have more time to play video games or use computers, which also means they're buying a lot of you know, graphics cards uh, and things like that which is also um, bringing on the chip shortage. Um, the speculation that the current trade war between the US and China is feeding it. Uh, but there's also been a number of environmental disasters, unfortunately. There has been uh, the winter storms in Texas closed down a few plants last year. Um, there's been a drought in Taiwan this year, which has meant that certain factories uh, need to use clean water to actually like clean and uh, wash the factory and they haven't been able to do that so they've shut down the factories 
Uh, and then there's been fires at two separate big Japanese plants at the moment. Um, and just to wrap this all up, uh, according to one Goldman Sachs study, this global chip shortage, as well as disrupting the video game industry, is disrupting up to 168 other industries at the moment. Whoa. So it's a pretty big thing. So, but yeah, I guess the whole the whole thread here is that uh, a there's we I think it's interesting to remember that even though video games are largely digital in our minds. This is a very physical thing that's happening in the world, which is disrupting our ability to play video games and even to, I guess, sell video games to a certain extent uh, to PS5. So, yeah, that's my rant. <laughs> and uh, what were the other 150 industries affected? The other 168? <laughs> well, funny you should ask, Chantel, because I have them all written <laughs> down on my arm. No, I don't. Um, well, one of the big ones was the car industry, and that was actually one of the first ones to be majorly hit. Um, yeah, was, and was, I mean, yeah. fortunately for them, they actually requ- recovered fairly quickly. But I, from what I was reading, them recovering quickly meant a lot of the other industries then missed out. So. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah I was going to. I was going to say. Um, I know someone that yeah purchased a car and, and they've had to remove features because of a chip shortage like mm. small small things that they had purchased in the car the steering wheel no <laughs> i was like i think it was like cooling in the seats or something and they for some reason because of the chip sh- shortage mm. wasn't weren't able to f- fulfill that so like smart features yeah every every kind mm. of uh chip i guess mm. it's not also affecting graphics cards which are also getting affected by everyone trying to mine bitcoin yeah. and setting up yeah, i farms. wasn't saying it but i'm glad you did <laughs> yeah. yeah very much and that ties into yeah. the first story around yeah. bitcoins everything already <laughs> oh, no, <laughs> no was it nvidia i think came out with bit like bitcoin mining specific graphics cards uh um, they blocked uh, they blocked the ability to mine using their graphics cards as a way of stopping people from purchasing their cards specifically to mine Bitcoin, I think. Right. Yeah. Did it work? work? I think it did. Um, <laughs> I think it did. I'm not sure if they were able to patch it or what it was, but it was something on the on the BIOS level that they actually um, yeah blocked the graphics card from doing that specific hash that, the, uh, that Bitcoin runs on or whatever. Mm. pretty crazy that's cool that's insane to think that a company did that they blocked the use of that yeah um the other thing is like you know if this doesn't bounce back i mean it will bounce back i think it's just going to be a big line but does it pave way for other technologies to come out not as in replacing the chip but for example google stadia which mm. was dead on arrival, but the concept. I was going to say, is that still around? No, well, <laughs> I have no idea. But Google, I mean, Google, um, Xbox has done the beta version of um, their streaming platform. That's just wrapped up, and um, they're going to be, I think, releasing that next year. But it's the same premise of you just stream it, which means I don't need a computer, I don't need a graphics card, I can literally just play Xbox on my phone. Um, so I don't need all those chips. So you know, it, I think it feels like in a lot of situations like this where um some event catalytic event happens and we realize how much we're at the mercy of a particular thing we go all right well how do we just not have that particular thing anymore and we can't not have chips but we just limit 
the amount needed. Yeah, the reliance on it. Mm. Yeah, that's a really good point. So, mm. like, the time is ripe for those streaming services, video yeah. game streaming services. You see, it's a good point because I mean, I had the experience of when I went to buy a Switch, they were all out here mm. in Adelaide, um, and I ended up buying a Switch Lite first of all because I was like, they had those in stock, and I was like, oh, I'm only ever going to play it handheld and whatever. Um, which, I mean, I've now got a regular Switch as well, which is another whole story. <laughs> But yeah, definitely firsthand, it was like, I mean, it affected my buying and then affected the way I played because I guess the related part is the Switch Lite is having a smaller screen meant certain games weren't actually designed for the Switch Lite and so I wouldn't play them that much on the Switch. Well, as a, I mean, yeah. PlayStation Now, PlayStation has their own streaming service, which is PlayStation Now. I wonder if they do have, play, yeah, they do have PlayStation 5 games as well, actually. Um Interesting, like all of these companies have their own digital streaming service, but people still want the console. <laughs> so they must yeah, not be at that point yet where it's, uh, you know, seamless. Have you guys tried any of them? Yeah, tried. yeah I was in the beta for xCloud. I tried xCloud, yeah. I, I, it's, it's yeah. Out in, I think it's out publicly, Alex. I've, I've, nah, what is yeah, it? I've tried it on my I, computer. When? Like a couple of weeks ago, maybe a month ago. X, xCloud? xCloud, yeah, xCloud. Okay, because I got the email from them saying, you know, thanks for participating. Because I did it last year, and or it started this year, I can't remember. And they said, thanks for participating. It's now over. We'll come back. Because Australia was one of the last places to get it. Um, oh, that's that's cool what they told on. you, Alex. Yeah, I know. It's the Kanye West thing all over again. <laughs> yeah, no one say, wants to be a part so, of that thing. Sorry, Alex. Everyone in the conspiracy club has <laughs> access to xCloud. <laughs> I'll bring my own alfoil. <laughs> Now, uh, I tried the PlayStation one on PC a couple months ago mm. and it just would not work. Really? Which is unfortunate. Like, I'm sure it's a great platform, but for whatever reason, I just, every time I signed in, it took me back to the sign up page. So, mm. Well, yeah, that's the thing. They haven't perfected it. And even when you play xCloud or any of these services, it's not really, you know, there's, it's not this most seamless, exper- like, seamless experience. So, yeah, there's still going to be demand on, on consoles uh, and people want them. Like, it's not, it's not so straightforward to be able to just stream something yeah god it's a year out and you still can't get a console oh that's crazy I, I don't wonder like i don't know if they're doing this but i do wonder whether the um the the lack of stock does build hype meaning more sales in the long run mm, yeah and gouge, because uh, it, uh, scalpers mm. yeah well that's right well some more money a- for them but like the whole thing of it because it's hard to get a PS5, does that make more people want to buy it? Mm. I'm not sure I would agree with that only because something that does build a lot of uh, participation in like one console versus another is when your friends have them. Mm. And so a lot of mm. people, you know, if they're faced with, do I buy an Xbox, a PlayStation, and these days like a Switch has a lot of the same games as well, you tend to lean toward the one that your friends have. So if all your friends have kind of gone out and got an Xbox or a Switch because no one can get a PlayStation 5, you're possibly going to be leaning a little bit more in the other direction. Mm. And yeah. That's a good point. Yeah, it's true. I wonder what well, it seems has like sold more. Most pe- is it, uh, My gut feeling is Switches, but I don't know. Oh, yeah, definitely. But I'm just thinking out of the Xbox and the, I mean... PlayStation oh, okay. ones out of the underdogs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, actually, the underdogs this this generation. Uh, 
No, it doesn't really say. Chantel brings up a good point, mm. though, because I'm pretty sure... Well, I know you, Costa, you bought your... Didn't you buy your Xbox because your friends had Xboxes? Like, you would... No, actually, you... I, I defy that point. My friends are all on PlayStation <laughs> and I'm on Xbox. So oh, it doesn't really make sense. Yeah, but Costa, do you feel good about it? I feel great. Yeah, playing by yourself. I feel great. <laughs> no, <laughs> because, I mean, and that's yeah. the thing, right? Chantel, you do have a point because um, they all have PC and now with Xbox's sort of um, uh, motto of, you know, having everything on Xbox and PC, yeah, mm. it allows me to play with, with all of them because uh, they typically go PC and PlayStation. And now that cross-play is a thing. Yeah, exactly. absolutely. Oh, and the cross-play works really well between Microsoft, like PC and Xbox, mm. but you hear a lot of problems that people have with trying to play cross-play with PlayStation and uh, the PC platform, or especially Xbox and PlayStation cross-platform. There tends to be that like active conflict between them. Mm. Is it what? What's the problem? Is it lag? No, it... I think it's um, like company policy. From what I have kind of gleaned in the past, is they don't necessarily like or want to play well together. Um, really? So wow. you know, I can't speak for everybody, but I know that in years past, there has definitely been games that will have crossplay, particularly between PC and Xbox and PlayStation users will come out and be like, when do we get, you know, cross-play? And mm. it has come out that actually never because mm. uh, PlayStation doesn't support that kind of, not the infrastructure, but kind of the, the philosophy mm. of participating. And it might be different now. I don't want to speak for them now because the scene has changed. But mm. yeah, in the past... They didn't necessarily want to be, uh, can, I think this feeds back into what we're talking about of if your friends have Xboxes and you have a PlayStation, then it's kind of like, well, anyone can get what they want. But if you have a PlayStation game and you can only play it on PlayStation and you want it's multiplayer, you want to play with your friends, it's like, well, everybody kind of has to go get a PlayStation to play with their friends. Mm. it's yeah it's the it's the philosophy of um the console makers making exclusives um and and how that's shifting and yeah you're right around the um the policy stuff i think it was playstation that just refused to do it and and it's interesting because microsoft last generation was the underdog and so of course they're going to come out and say yeah hey you know what any game that's on Xbox, you can play it on PC and you can, if you want, play it on PlayStation. It's not our decision that you can't play, you know, multiplayer. So they almost put the responsibility onto PlayStation mm. to force it. Because, yeah, they absolutely did. Yeah, very smart move actually from from Xbox perspective. Yeah, because they really fostered that um, reputation for being the reasonable people in favor of the gamers and freedom, yeah. whereas the PlayStation, we, yeah, um, yeah, it was cast as the big bad corporate. Which money is complete one eighty from where Xbox was at the start of Xbox One, which was DRM. Mm -hmm. uh, it's not even a console; it's a TV unit that happens to play games. So it's just yeah, complete shift. All right, here's a side question for you guys uh, based on this. How realistic possible, what would it take, do you think, for another player 
uh, to enter the scene with a game console and actually become popular? Whether whether they're a big company already or just someone small, like, do you think it's possible at this point? Small, no. I think no. I think someone like, well, so I th- I think um, a company that would do that needs to be doing the research in the background, and I think a company that could do that is someone who's already about to do that, which is Facebook and Metaverse mm. and all that stuff. Mm. Maybe Amazon, um, people who already have some form of customer data. Some form of they have enough money. Um, well, you know what? I'll also say screw you, Alex, because Google tried to stadia <laughs> and messed that up. And Google is the one that all the other companies are scared of. You know, there's those quotes from uh, Mark, um, Jeff Bezos being like, um, and Elon Musk saying stuff like, "Google's a mountain, and you don't move the mountain; you just learn to get a, walk over it, or you know." <laughs> walk around it sort of thing um and they messed it up so at the same time alex you don't know what you're talking about yeah how about a company like samsung all right they're they're making uh the galaxy phones right Mm. so they may be aware of gaming in phone gaming but they don't have a specific console at, at the moment could you see them bringing out like a mini fridge that's a console <laughs> not, not a mini could. fridge but a console I think they could, and I, I think I don't know. I, this is definitely not my area, but I feel like you know this is the age of bootstrapping. Like you know, like even Samsung making their phones, they don't make all the bits in it. The reason why like Huawei basically came out was because they were making a lot of the chips inside of phones. Like even iPhones, I'm pretty sure Apple doesn't make the lenses; those are still Sony lenses or something like that. Yeah, right. But Huawei make all the chips, so they go, "Well, we'll just bring it all." Like you were saying with Samsung, they just go, "We'll bring it all in house because it's going to be cheaper." Um, I think, but now that everyone bootstraps, you know, they use existing technology. I don't, I kind of think there's, there wouldn't be a reason to join the console wars or whatever. It's, it's, it's um, not even a, it's not even a hardware war anymore. It's a, it's a, it's a streaming service war. And, and, yeah, exactly. and um, you know, you see companies like Apple joining it as well with Apple Arcade. And now you can play that across like all of their devices. Does, it, does anyone remember the Ouya from a couple of years ago? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, I remember the name. Well, that was... That was a, yeah, yeah, I was going to bring that up. How's um, it spelled, Costa? i got to Google this. I mean, you can argue, I think, that um, Apple with their iOS platform and how big gaming is on it, they've kind of crept onto mm. almost like the primary console scene. Mm-hmm. A lot mm. of people stick with ios because it has a lot of games on it that aren't supported on android um so many people play games on their phones and for a lot of gamers these days that is their primary gaming device and there's mm. ipads yeah. as well i've seen like a lot of the final fantasies have been re-released on mm. ipad ios now as well and so it's obviously yeah. a legitimate yeah, platform I, in developers eyes. I have a friend who plays League of Legends primarily on his iOS <laughs> device, wow. which yeah. I'm like, you're mad. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, like a lot of people are really having enriching experiences. It, it's, mm. I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty crazy. And there's been some really good games coming out of um, the Apple Arcade stuff like... Uh, Oregon Trail, which was the remake of the original one, uh, I think it was Gameloft here in Australia. They did that, and they won a bunch of awards for that really good game. And yeah, it's actually doing quite well that they're they're funding. Like I think there was an article maybe last year around Apple Arcade and how much uh, games it actually game development it funds 
from developers in Australia. It's actually like accounting for more than like government or something. Don't quote me on that, but it was like quite a big amount that they were investing in Australian um, companies for, yeah, for developing for the Apple Arcade. And Sping is another one, which was on, uh, which was SMG Studios. So mm. yeah, quite a lot. Uh, does Google have some sort of service like that? Well, they use Android. But do they have like a... Um, a subscription like i remember seeing something vaguely like some sort of game subscription on the on the play um, store well there's google play i don't know what that is because that's an app but it's just apps you just don't touch they're like streets you don't go down like <laughs> that's a thing that exists isn't google i'll never isn't experience play store it. The is that different to the play yeah, store isn't it or is it a different thing? Is it the Play Store? Oh, okay. Then I'm thinking, yeah, you're right. Well, what am I thinking of, man? Let, let me <laughs> Don't go into the Play Store. store. Yeah. <laughs> it's I'm like telling your kid not to go into like that store over there. Oh, like... my God. <laughs> what is it then? I know they have... They... No, it's called Play Games. Mm, okay. Google Play Games. It's, it's, oh, the, it's, it's like, confusing. don't play games. I'm clicking on it for the first time ever. It's called Google... Yeah, see, it's called Google Play right at the bottom. No, Alex, don't do it. <laughs> there is something called Google Play. Google. <laughs> Continue as Alex. Google Play Games. Yeah, right. here you go. It's an online gaming service. So it is some sort of I'd like to apologize thing. to Alex in the past who called himself an idiot because Google Play was the <laughs> Play Store. I just took all your word for that. Oh, I, th- I, think, it's, I think it's actually a service just for um, sort of tying multiplayer services and and like achievements and things like that as opposed to a uh, subscription could be wrong yeah I well because it doesn't look like i need a subscription i mean oh, i've got a subscription to google with that well i have an account with google does that <laughs> you sound like <laughs> what do i sound like like some i subscribe to person google. yeah i have the google on my phone on the google <laughs> face tube <laughs> talk to my friends <laughs> Now, uh, I think there is one other thing that we should cover in this discussion. And does anyone remember the Steam machines? Mm. They Uh -uh. still exist, right? I believe they have kind of a new iteration coming out because they they really tried to enter that console space. And a lot of people bought in really early and everyone was like, this is going to be a game changer. You know, Mm. there is a new person on the scene. No one is better positioned to enter the gaming space than Steam, mm. um, and we we saw that completely flop. It kind of there was a whole <laughs> lot of hype, and then I never heard of it again. And but they, you're right. Yeah, I know my my cousin bought some of those for his kids. I think so they could use the TV while he could <laughs> use the actual consoles or something. They, but they they, they <laughs> so. took an interesting approach as well. I think they tried to um they they basically wrote Steam OS, which is a Linux based operating system, and I think that was yeah. open source. And I think they still develop that. I think that's the one thing that is on I think that's on the Steam Deck now actually. But mm. um yeah, and then they tried to open source I think the hardware or they basically said, look, Alienware, if you want to make a Steam Deck, go ahead and do it. I mean, at the end of the day, Steam's the one getting thirty percent on every single sale mm. or through their store so yeah it makes makes a lot of sense they would just keep trying and i think they're even going to take a loss on the on the steam deck from what i hear from a hardware perspective why is that they'll, they'll make it up in in software to get it that cheap yeah, right. to get it out there that quick um and mm. every I, th- I believe every console maker makes a loss on their hardware it's playstation oh that's right so does yeah. so does uh, xbox because they make it up in software yeah yeah all right well, I mean, um, the second you market Steam Deck as a PC switch, but PC, I, yeah, I and, and yeah, that's it. It's becoming a computer as well. So you know, you just dock it. 
It's pretty big. I think it's going to be, yeah, yeah, I think it's going to do quite well. Hopefully. I can't wait. Hey, uh, Costa, do you want to take us to the next article? Because I realize we're about two in. Yes. <laughs> out of six, <laughs> which is good. No, it's good. We're doing well. We're doing well, well here. Oh, there was a segue. There was a segue. It was to do with... Uh, Talking about uh, why am I segueing? Uh, well, you were saying about uh, Chantel was saying about Xbox and PlayStation and Xbox being the more you know liberal kind of exactly. One. There's a good segue here. Um, so this is actually um, out of an interview with the boss of Xbox, Phil Spencer, um, and Xbox calling for industry-wide legal emulation of older video games. So Phil Spencer um, wants the entire games industry to cooperate in order to improve game preservation and stop titles from disappearing forever so xbox if um for those that are unaware has a lot have, has done a lot of work to um improve backwards compatibility and the series x and the xbox one um both play 360 games and original xbox games um and they've basically said that their latest release will be the final release of backwards compatible uh, compatible games because of uh then the other ones aren't coming because of licensing, legal, and technical constraints. Um, so Spencer wants the industry to agree on a standard that can keep these older games alive and not make backwards compatibility uh, compatibility so difficult. Um, and uh, yeah, his his hope is uh, that as an industry, we l- work on a legal emulation that allowed modern hardware to run any within reason older executable games allowing someone to play any game here in a direct message so everyone's thought man this seems like a backhand to nintendo right now yeah. i was gonna say are they just gonna send <laughs> someone else to the meeting or just not show up well wasn't it yeah because nintendo has just released their expanded uh Super yearly Plus. i can't remember what's called the the nintendo online expanded expansion pack or whatever where you get to play nintendo 64 games for the low price of 60 bucks a year or whatever it is. Yeah, but have and you seen the... run uh... worse than emulated games. And then Xbox comes out and it's like, we should really let people emulate their games. <laughs> it is good timing. Well, I think he's saying something pretty good for like, I mean, because, you know, when you're a developer, you put out a game, you, you, you're you not expected to support it for, you know, the 20 years, 30 years. Like, um, mm. so yeah, having a way to be able to preserve those games long term, I think that's a very good... Uh, ethos to have especially um for you know indie developers and for everyone so yeah if there's a standard that they can work on that can help bring that about i'm, I'm all for it it's super yeah. duper strange that they don't support like every i don't know well most the all the popular creative mediums get you know books get second third fourth editions they get kindles you can read anything movies got vhs beta dvd blu-ray hd dvd games the the consoles well they got remasters but the con but you know like nintendo and you know unless they don't have backwards compatibility which a lot of them didn't that's why the chipping market was a thing they just go no if you want to play it go buy that console it'd be like saying you know oh i really want to read to catch her in the rye and they go okay cool find a bookstore that's still selling the same copy from yeah. whatever the 60s or something mm. <laughs> wasn't it like the 30s I don't, I don't know let's let's uh fact check this one <laughs> but it, i mean but it's interesting because all of these you know people have tr- like companies have have tried to do this in the past like i know sony playstation i think the playstation 3 the original version of it played playstation 1 and 2 games and then i think they they which they basically put a playstation 2 in the ps3 
to achieve that and it was like this ridiculous price when if everyone remembers when the ps3 came out oh yeah mm. i paid that ridiculous you played that ridiculous price, price? <laughs> sir i could oh, get my backwards yeah. compatibility because like i had you yeah. know 100 playstation 2 games exactly yeah. and, and people want to play it yeah. yeah and you don't want to have two consoles on hand either you don't want to have to switch between them and if something breaks then you're doomed Mm. Yeah, yeah. I think I had my GameCube on my shelf for years, just collecting dust because of like, just in case. One day, one day I'll pull and, it and, out. And to be honest, I mean, even Nintendo did pretty well. They had the Wii U, which I think was backwards compatible with the Wii. Probably not the GameCube, but like all these companies yeah. have tried to do it. And there was you no, know, you could play GameCube games on the Wii. Oh, you on could, the Wii, you? could yeah. 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 yeah, on the Wii U, I yeah. think yeah. you couldn't. But yeah. yeah, I mean, Xbox now has sort of set the standard of like you know what, we're going to put this effort into, they actually put effort into going back and fixing them all and, and making the Xbox mm. original games from like 20 years ago work on the Xbox One and now the Series X. And it seems like they're just going to keep going. Every every iteration of or whatever that looks like for each console will, will always be backwards compatible with uh, yeah the older Xbox generations. Yeah. Just to interject, uh, Catcher in the Rye was <laughs> first published in uh, 1945 to 46 as a serial form and then in novel form in 1951. So it was like dead center between the two dates we said, Alex, <laughs> as usually happens on this show. That was pretty good. Um, see, you know, between the two of us, we make a person, a confident Yeah, pretty person. much. We, uh, our, facts, our facts are trustworthy if it comes... Somewhere between what we say. <laughs> yeah. Um, I just had an interesting thought. Well, probably not interesting to most people. Um, I was thinking as well about, you know, why they really don't aren't interested in their older games. And they're probably, I don't know, maybe they just see it as like, okay, I basically, I looked, I remember in 1998 getting Ocarina of Time and that cost, I'm pretty sure it was either 90 or a hundred dollars from Big W. So inflation of that today is one hundred and seventy-two dollars. So it'd be like buying a game back then for one hundred and seventy-two dollars. Well, I'm just thinking they're just like, I don't know they they don't really care about. They're saying we're we're still in action. Like why are you playing this old stuff? Like we'll we'll make a new classic. Just stick with it or something. Like I think like admitting that that was a classic and support. I don't do you know. Think I'm, I'm reaching. Yeah, you, I, I can see what you mean. Like you think there's. I mean. They've 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 done it. Like just move on. They're kind of saying we're going to keep making new hits. Like, yeah. See, I'm like Skippy, and you're like the little kid. Like I have a point. I can't express it very well, but you know exactly what I'm trying to say. <laughs> well, and but but then Xbox looked at it from the perspective of, well, hey, actually, there's all this value here. If we can, like, people want this. If we can just bring it to this, you know, it'll make the entire Xbox console way more valuable for for others. Mm. Yeah. Cool, cool. Segway us. Sounds good. Segway. I think, Chantel, you had something prepared, didn't you? I did. It had to do with a toilet. Oof. Oh. That's my segue. Segway us into that one. <laughs> <laughs> That's the whole segue. <laughs> Gamifying toilets. Is it gamified toilets? It is a gamified toilet in a way. It's a way of creatively gamifying a toilet in an analog style. Analog? Yes, analog. Non-digital for those who grew up without (laughs) that being a thing. Um, Yeah, I'm just going to have to Google this one quickly. (laughs) Digital versus analog, you know, like meat space. (laughs) (laughs) 
Um, there are so many uh, words going on in this one story. <laughs> we haven't even yeah. started the story yet. <laughs> I just let's look some things up. Let's clarify our definitions. Okay. Just make sure you do it in incognito mode, guys. <laughs> <laughs> All right, take us away. All right, <laughs> taking you away. All right, this is a Kotaku episode, and it has to do with my favorite genre of games, which I grew up with, and that is adventure games. And that is somebody wrote an article to Kotaku, which um, let me just grab this for a sec. Naturally, I've lost it immediately right before I have to talk about it. That's all right. Uh, we oh can yeah. edit this out. I'm not going to. I just Good. want to say that we can edit yeah, it out. I need, I need to hear this. I'm like, I had to add the tab. People then you need guys to know that this is a real experience. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We'll, we'll speculate what it's about. I, so if it's gamifying, mm. it's incentivizing. Mm. Gamifying yeah. is just a word okay. to say incentivize. So who needs I've got to, to tell use the you, toilet? Because she was talking about analog gamifying of toilets, right? Yeah. Have you guys seen, guys, <laughs> have you guys seen in urinals, they put like, some urinals, they put like the picture of a fly. Um, oh, yes. Or like on a toilet seat. I've Like I've seen it in certain airports around the world. Oh, yeah, yeah. And yeah, it's so like... Yep. Apparently, because it's a picture of a fly and it's basically try and aim and hit this fly, right? Yeah. Uh, it sounds stupid, but oh. apparently it is like reduced spillage. People can't see me doing air quotes here, but spillage by like some insane percentage. It's and it's like one of the most effective mm. things they've ever used. They should have just drawn like a bullseye target on that. Like they all have, urinals should. Some of them yeah. do that too. Oh, well, do, I wouldn't and, and know, it, but. <laughs> I appreciate this knowledge that I would not they, have had access and, to. And when you hit it, it rings. <laughs> oh, really? Like, I think it's hollow or something. I'm like, I can't tell if you're trolling me right now. I actually, no, 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 that's like, I actually don't know. This I've is like the old uh, Ocarina of Time shooting gallery. Yeah. See, <laughs> I hear people say that women's toilets are much better, but so I'm just rethinking everything now because we do not have games in our toilets. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Look, yes, they're better toilets, but they're less gamified. <laughs> I mean, look, that sounds like an oxymoron to me. <laughs> okay, I found the article. It's cool. called Adventure Games Saved My Life. Well, my afternoon. And yeah, this is an article that basically talks about a guy recently who locked himself in his toilet on the third floor of his house. And I guess his wife had accidentally pulled off the doorknob because she's the Hulk. I don't know. He closed the door <laughs> while he was in it and he couldn't open it again. Um, and he said he's prone to panic, but he took a step back and he thought, what have video games taught me? And so he looked around and he describes finding some inventory items. Now, for those who are not familiar with adventure games, essentially they are uh, kind of linear story games, traditionally, in which you look around some environments and you find a bunch of interesting objects. You pick up anything that's not nailed down and you use everything you've picked up on everything else to try to figure out how the hell to move forward in the story. <laughs> that's the simple version. Uh, yeah, so this guy said that he found in his toilet a, 
pair of scissors Wait, in his toilet. In like not inside the toilet bowl, but okay. inside. Just because in an adventure game, that's where they would hide the key. You're right. Actually, not in the toilet. <laughs> rarely in the toilet bowl. In the toilet tank, you take. Yeah. Always oh, take yeah. off the yeah the system. Yeah. Look, Alex coming. And it'd be the big like a, a note stuck mm-hmm. there from like someone else. That's like, ah, ha, ha, I've trapped you in this bathroom <laughs> and you've got to find the four gems to open the lock or something. Because yeah, I was thinking saw immediately, like here's a <laughs> knife and inside your abdomen. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> and the toilet bowl's here to keep things clean. So. Okay, I was going to say it's really morbid, but if you're going to do it in any room of your house, that's probably the best one. Well, I mean, look, I would go with the bathtub in the bathroom, but you do you, John. You do you. <laughs> Sorry, continue with the article. (laughs) So, in his toilet, he finds a pair of scissors and a paperclip. Do you guys keep... people are these? Yeah, like, do you guys keep scissors or paperclips in your toilet? We're not talking about a bathroom. I mean, I will now. But, yeah, look, (laughs) so me too, right? Because this guy thinks, what would an adventure game do? I would pick up the scissors, I would pick up the paperclip, and I would figure out... How to use these on the door to get myself out of the situation. So he pulls the classic adventure game trick of you stick the pointy object in the hole mm. and you use it to turn the screw. And he managed to shape the paper clip so that somehow the scissors would secure the the screw and push it in the correct direction. Anyway, he does some ninja shit. He... I don't know if I can swear, but you know. You can swear. Oh, you just <laughs> you did. Okay. You like, did. It's, we, we, this is my podcast now. <laughs> <laughs> we're just established dominance. <laughs> That's how you do it. I'm, we're talking about toilets. She this is the alpha guest. <laughs> <laughs> so, essentially, what this comes down to is this guy kind of fondly reminisces on the fact that he would only have thought to do this kind of mad. Um, What's that guy? MacGyver. Yeah, MacGyver. MacGyver Act. Because he grew up playing video games in which he was expected to do ridiculous things in order to get yourself out of sticky situations. So, the question is, what have video games taught us? Well, I mean, that's really interesting because that's essentially an escape room. Yes, (laughs) it absolutely is. Uh, and escape rooms started out as video games yes. and have now come into real life. Yeah, and um, escape not, not rooms, just locking yourself in the toilet. They, <laughs> I would but, argue, they have their roots in adventure games as well. Yeah, um, yeah, I'm pretty sure they do. So, oh, yeah. yeah, no, I did some music for a local escape room uh, mid last year, which was like really cool, really cool opportunity. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I went and actually played it uh, with some friends like a few months later. And we lost. <laughs> and I've got to tell you, <laughs> losing a game that you worked on is a, an interesting feeling. <laughs> Did you lose on purpose so your friends had to listen to the no. whole track? <laughs> yeah, that's right. No, we like, can't I was a little yet. bit happy. <laughs> honestly, no, I didn't lose on purpose. But honestly, because the way I did the music is where it like... The final ten minutes of the hour, it like it ramps up, and every two and a half minutes, it like ramps up more and more. Ooh. So I was um, a little happy we got to hear mm. the whole thing. Um, it's like the Jaws but, uh, soundtrack. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> pretty much. Yeah, um, but I mean, yeah, it's a really really cool experience. Um, I have also locked myself in my bathroom. Um, no, sorry, let me take that back. <laughs> what happened was I had a guest at my house, and similar to this situation. Um, 
that we the house we were in it had like locks in the doors which were those little pins that you push in mm. um and then when you like turn the handle to unlock it pushes it back out um this guest unfortunately thought you had to pull out the pin which basically permanently locked the door <laughs> um, and she couldn't figure out how to put it back in. So uh, I had to climb in through the window. This is how I got into the bathroom. I had to <laughs> climb in through the window, which is one of those windows that only opens a certain amount because oh. it's like chained. Yeah. But fortunately, I was very lanky at the time and I managed to like <laughs> slide in with like a screwdriver and stuff. Um, Not a pair which, of scissors and a paperclip. Well, I'm interesting. It's interesting. He managed to unlock the door with scissors and a paperclip because I tried with a screwdriver and a plier and ended up busting the whole door. <laughs> <laughs> so, I love this story because yeah. I, I just love adventure games. So it's it's awesome. I, I'm surprised he didn't like you know like in a typical adventure game you can like speak to objects. Like I'm surprised he didn't like speak to the door, you know, speak to door <laughs> or something like that. I mean, maybe he did, and or, it just was. I would speak to yeah, the door I if I were door. trapped in the toilet. <laughs> Or the classic is like you, you put your like you try to touch it and then it's like see through, you know what I mean? Like the whole time it wasn't actually there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. metaphysical yeah. adventure games. But it, it's cool that they actually learned, like they they learned something, like it changed their behavior of what they were gonna do in a in a certain situation. So I think it's like just goes to show the power of games. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think we can all report things like ways that we acted that we wouldn't have acted in had we not been gamers. Um, something I immediately thought of was I played a lot, and I mean a lot of FPS games mm-hmm. when I was about 10 years old. And one day we went to the like city carnival, and they have these shooting games there, which, you know, like they're mostly for adults and you know, the boyfriend wins the prize for his girlfriend. <laughs> but I was this little 10-year-old girl and I kind of waltzed up and I watched for a little bit. And I kind of studied the like physics of what was going on as I watched other people play. And um, like because of that experience in playing FPS games and learning to become familiar with the physics of the weapon, uh, I kind of noticed that when they shot the weapon, they would aim it right at the bullseye but what would happen is when they shot the gun would kick up and it would shoot above the bullseye so I was like okay I think I got this and I walked up and I was like okay I'm gonna play and they kind of you know the um carnival workers they do the big show and they had this is very old school they had the megaphone and they're like look at this little girl daring to you know, shoot the bullets or whatever the hell they're talking about. But, Mm. you know, I lift it up and I aim exactly where I think I should aim and I pull the trigger and I hit that perfect bullseye and, like, this guy just goes absolutely nuts and I win the big prize and he's, you know, he loves this because all of a sudden he's on the megaphone and he's like, if this little girl can do it, (laughs) anyone can. And I'm like, oh, you but I, I'm like, all right, let's go again. Let's go again. Yeah. <laughs> like 1v1. You know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> GG. What with guns. Yeah. Let's go. You what? and me. You and me and my carnival. Or your carnival game. So, yeah, I did it. And I hit it again. And I won this. I win the other big prize. So, I'm walking around the carnival with the two yeah. giant yep. prizes. Do you remember what That's they so were? Good. Uh, oh, absolutely. They were like the... Have you ever seen the giant cat 
plushies, like the ones that are like the jungle cats, or the like big and stiff, and they look really realistic. I yeah, got yeah, like yeah. a Black Panther and a um, cheetah, and they yeah. sat on my bed. Yeah. They were, you know, but essentially, um, yeah, that was a moment that video games taught me to excel in real life, <sighs> and I was really good at laser tag too. <laughs> <laughs> That's an awesome story. That's really cool. So you, you you compensated for the like lack of aim assist, basically, like opposite <laughs> of aim assist in a video game. Yeah, absolutely. Which you had to do back then because games back were then. hard. What, what, back in yeah. my day. What what, uh, <laughs> what if back, games were they that you used to play back then? Um, so I started off on Quake. Oh, awesome. And then Ooh. I went basically to rainbow six and then to halo yes yeah that's awesome so you're like flipping tanks and doing rocket jumps and stuff oh, yeah. now in See, real life no too. one's given me a tank to mess with yet <laughs> but let me tell you <laughs> next, i will be ready <laughs> <laughs> 2020 carnivals but yeah that's my awesome. question is what have you guys kind of learned and how has your life been affected by skills that you have picked up playing games I'll definitely say racing games and mario kart made me a good driver like legitimately <laughs> good. and um like star wars rogue squadron um i don't know it's like you feel the weight of these vehicles you learn how the speed they drive at how to like you're saying how to compensate for mm. like it gives you real good spatial awareness like i can to this day still parallel park one move <laughs> on a dime on a coin on a whatever 10 cent piece i can do all that and i attribute that to playing the exact same levels over and over again in rogue squadron and just becoming like such an ace pilot because i've done everything else there's nothing else to do mm. um is those- there like a reverse parallel parking level in rogue <laughs> squadron <laughs> Well, you don't I mean, see that, that in the movies, but they have to get those ships back in the hangar. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. They are very neatly stacked in the they, movies. Yeah. That's the expansion pack, actually. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, those, yeah, I, I totally agree with, you, with your point, which is that games, yeah, rewire you and they give you this, yeah, again, that sense of spatial awareness. Like, you know, if you're playing Rogue Squadron or you're playing some racing game, you you see a target in the distance and you, like, I mean, what what a what a more messed up craft to fly than the Millennium Falcon, right? Which is basically a giant car. <laughs> because if you think about it, like, you know, if you're driving down a lane, you don't drive in the direct center. Like in a video game, you'd be like, I'm going to drive down the direct center of the lane. If you do that, you're going to be sticking half in the other lane. You stick to the right-hand side, like a Millennium Falcon. Like it has, Han Solo has so much ship to cover you, and he just knows you like, that. Before you re- reverse Prello, you're like, hang on, Chewie. <laughs> <laughs> Watch this chewy. <laughs> oh, please. Do you have a little chewy bobblehead in your car? Well, how does he sing behind him? There's no mirror in there. I don't, by the way. There's well, no mirror in the Falcon. I mean, he is in space. Like, generally, there's a bit more sp- like space to park. I, I, yeah. I don't know. When you're parking, though, I guess you. Hangers. Hangers, though. Mm. Yeah. Like, have you seen that really like weird, out of place, slow scene in, I think it's episode four with the Millennium Falcon kind of just backing out of the Death Star <laughs> hangar. Like, but is it just, just missing that? Just like Han Solo is like leaning over the back of his seat, <laughs> just looking backwards. And it's got like the truck beeping. Happening. What are you looking at, Luke? Yeah, man, that was the extended edition, right? <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, but yeah, so yeah, racing games and Star Wars made me a better driver. There was a phase I had gone through where I used to play a lot of tycoon games. Um, yeah. And yeah, I played a lot of like specifically into game development. There was a game dev tycoon, which mm. I was like the pixel art one addicted no. to it. It yeah. was just so good. I probably played yeah. it like, I don't know, like 10 times over like beating the game. Um, and I played yeah. the mobile version. And yeah, and I think it helped in like, in terms of like, at the time, I was, you know, running a startup and that sort of stuff. I think it helped in terms of managing and help, like trying to stay on, like, you know, on on the deadline <laughs> and like on time and and where to allocate resources. Like a lot mm. of a lot of that game, a lot of the game dev tycoon was actually, you know, you're you're putting together a game for a specific console and then you have to pick the genres that the, the game is going to be. You have to pick where you invest your money in, like whether it's in the game engine or the design like what part of the engine what part of the design and i think it's just this like resource allocation thing that allocation like you where you put your time and effort and i think it definitely helped and it still helps and like yeah picking where to put your time i did a similar thing sorry to um jump in i already said mine but you just remind me i did a similar thing with uh that mini clip game sushi go around just before I started my first retail job, I was like, all right, I got to deal with pressure and customers <laughs> yeah. and resource allocation. So I just played hours and hours of sushi go around. And where are you God when you got there? Oh, I, uh, on my first day, I, I didn't know what green beans were. I, <laughs> I didn't actually know what I was selling. Like customers couldn't believe it. Um, but I was efficient. I put those green <laughs> things through so quick. That's all you need. It's all I needed. It's interesting, actually, uh, listening to you guys talking. Um, it reminded me, uh, so when I was looking at the article about the global chip shortage and supply chains and stuff, um, I wasn't always interested in supply chains because it's not always like the most thrilling thing <laughs> people think of. Uh, but I played the game Anno uh, 2205, mm-hmm. which is pretty much like, I think like SimCity, but in the future. Um, but like one of the big parts about it is you start off with one city uh, on one side of the planet and then you unlock a, another one in like Antarctica and then another one later on and then another one on the moon. Um, but like to the whole time you have to be like sustaining all of them and they don't have the resources around them they need to sustain themselves and to like grow. And so it forces you into this kind of like global supply chain, <laughs> both mindset and it's literally how you play the game. Um, and I played this like I binged it for like two days uh, and that's all I played but it was like straight afterwards I remember going to McDonald's and just getting like a burger and sitting down and looking at my burger and just all of a sudden it was like my I was awakened I was like I was looking at the burger going I now know like this bun has been processed in this country and like this beef has come from this part of Australia and you know there's probably four different countries that have gone into just making like the wrapping and the design and the oh, everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, and honestly, like I've I've been interested in it ever since. So, um, yeah, that would be my answer. It was Anno twenty two oh five. Yeah, like rewires your brain. Mm. Yeah, in and a good f- way. You feel it when it happens. Like everything doesn't make much sense, but then it does make sense. But everything is just like yeah. like an illusion's been lifted or something <laughs> like that. I feel like mm-hmm. the way we're describing it is like the movie Limitless. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. You like take a pill, everything just slows down and you see numbers in front of you. <laughs> You're ordering burgers like a boss, I'm reverse parking. <laughs> <That's right>. <laughs> Costa's uh 
allocating resources. Allocating resources. <laughs> just, yeah, just, let's do it. <laughs> allocating resources simulator. <laughs> <laughs> Chantel became a shooter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just out here taking things down. <laughs> but um, interestingly... Yeah, you guys are making me think of another big way that video games impacted me, and that was, uh, so I'm wrapping up my double degree in English and anthropology, and anthropology is a thing that very few people know exists or really know what the hell it is, if they do, and I was introduced to anthropology through playing adventure games. So I think I encountered it when I was about 10. There was a game called Gabriel Knight, which remains one of my favorite games in the world. And you actually, in the game, had to sit in on an anthropology lecture like at the university. And it just kind of went into um, all this different stuff about the voodoo religion. And, you know, you learn things that help you in the game later, but I found myself just absolutely taken with the content of that lecture. And later on, you know, you go and you talk to the professor of anthropology and he's got this really cool office full of like cultural artifacts from around the world. And he has really interesting things to say about really obscure things. And I was just like, I'm so fascinated with this. And it never left me. And then, spoiler alert, later in the game, the professor ends up horribly mad and Sir, <laughs> let's herb. So if that doesn't happen in real life in your, <laughs> yeah. your professor. I've taken some <laughs> lessons there and I uh, don't mess with voodoo. Um, Is that yeah. like one of those like uh, DK book game sort of things? Is um, that the brand DK? No, this was Sierra who did oh, Sierra. Quest, oh, Space Sierra. Quest. Yeah, that's see, everybody that loves logo. Sierra. Yeah, that's a classic yeah. back in the day. Mm-hmm. But yeah, and so and you reckon that influenced your your choice into doing um, anthropology? Mm, no doubt. Interesting. Yeah, I know anthropology is the reason why I can't chuck out any of my pop vinyls. <laughs> yeah. What if they get lonely? <laughs> <laughs> Hey, Chantel, you uh, also make video games, don't you? I do. Do you want to tell us, tell our audience a little bit about what you're doing? Um, I might. I'm a little bit secretive Ooh. right now. Oh, it's a little um, top secret. Yeah, right. it's a little top we'll, secret. We'll have to invite but... you onto a, a lot of love Booleans. <laughs> full length. I, yeah. I, I have tried Brilliant's that. confidential. Have... <laughs> Let's... Uh, Switch switch podcast yeah. right now. Yeah. <laughs> but I'll say it's uh, full of horror and um, simulation and incorporates a lot of things that I loved in games that I used to play. So I call it a bit of a genre chaos game. And yeah, yeah okay. that's... All right. Well, if you can't tell us much, that's fine. Um, if there's people interested in what you're talking about, is there somewhere they should look online? Uh, you can follow me. Or is that on also top secret? I can't talk yeah. about. Um, I have another game that is in alpha that has been alpha released, but we are remaking it, and essentially that is a short point-and-click adventure surprise, um, and mm. we call it a horror suburban gothic game where you place someone in a house trying to figure out what the hell is going on as so many good adventure games begin. 
Um, so yeah, if you like being creeped out and kind of serious engagement with mental illness um, in a way that's hopefully respectful, um, yeah, you can check that out. It's called Unherm on Itch. And yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Thought Rice. One word. Yeah. How's that spelled? T H O U G H T R I S E. Cool. All right. Well, go follow Chantel and see what top secret stuff she's accidentally <laughs> leaking on Twitter. Whoops. But I, I think. Um, I think your 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 topic would be a good um, poll of how has video games mm. um, influenced yeah. your life? Mm. What skills yeah. have they developed? Yeah, it's an interesting so, yeah. topic. We've all been touched. We've all yeah. been shaped. All been mm. shaped. Get on the everyone. Get on the AGD Discord. Head to the Cafe Bullions channel, and uh, we'll have a thread there waiting for you. Just let us know what games have uh, influenced the way you live, or it's given you some kind of skill. Awesome. All right. Who else has some news articles for us here? I think that's it. I, it? I got one more. Okay. Of course you do. It's a brief right. one. Let's go. <laughs> it's Costa. a brief one. Um, Wait, you got to segue into it. You can't just you can't just do it. Talking about how video games can impact lives. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Keep going. Keep going. Playside <laughs> Video Games Company is moving to Gold Coast. And we'll be creating 50 to 70 jobs impacting mm-hmm. people. I don't know. Let's, yeah, let's nice, call that the segue. Nice. Um, <laughs> no, it's good. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's, it's as the title is. Um, the publicly listed games company Playside is opening up a Gold Coast studio, um, creating dozens of jobs. So developers working on games have previously uh, raised concerns about doing the cost of uh, doing business compared to overseas, but the Queensland and federal government have announced incentives for games businesses this year in a bid to boost the billion-dollar industry, which is, as everyone says, bigger than the film industry. Um, so Queensland's new post-production digital and visual effects incentive um, they say is the most competitive on the on Australia's eastern seaboard according to the premier um it's it's attracted developer and self-publisher playside to gold coast and it'll be opening and yeah creating 70 jobs um playside is a developer of age of darkness final stand and other self-published games and has worked with other companies like facebook 2k and studios such as pixar disney warner brothers and nickelodeon um other other titles include Archangel Hellfire and The Walking Dead Saints and Sinners. Thoughts? That's awesome. To win. Yeah. Any new jo- yeah. video game jobs in Australia is awesome. <laughs> yeah. Big win. Big thumb, thumbs up from us all. Good work, Playside. <laughs> I'm uh, seeing an additional article here that says Playside and 2K Games sign landmark work for hire development agreement. There we go. Um, yeah, so they Ooh. are developing a forthcoming franchise with Playside acting as a key partner and they are kind of talking about Australia a little bit there so we might actually Ooh. have these new jobs Um playing into cool. 2k games which are they the gta developers if i'm not mistaken yeah okay. oh no that's rockstar, <laughs> rockstar. 
Her, 2K does. Oh, you know what? Borderlands. Their logo looks a lot. Their like logo. Okay, yeah. <laughs> 2K do the NBA games. And Borderlands. And they do, um, Borderlands. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Mafia. They used okay. to have a studio here Bioshock. in Australia. XCOM. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, did you say forthcoming franchise? Yeah. Like they've already decided it's going to be a franchise. Uh, that's what they're the saying. First things up. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. How do you do that? Do you just go like we're gonna make it's like the new Mario guys? I promise you. <laughs> yeah. We're gonna put it out, and then it's gonna be like another five after that. <laughs> I guess it's like commissioning a couple of seasons of a TV show or yeah. something. Like, yeah. yeah, we're just gonna funnel all our money into this. We like the idea, and we think if we put a ton of yeah. money behind it, like we're just gonna condition people into loving it and buying our games. <laughs> just Which through is, brute force. I mean, that <laughs> is how the games industry works at like the AAA level, right? It says and, yes, yeah. it is. Uh, you sort of. It says the uh, it says the project will have a development cycle of twenty three months with twelve months of maintenance post launch, and is fixed price milestone based without revenue share. It actually outlines exactly That's how not it works. A, doesn't feel like a big development time. Twenty three months. So it's mm. two years. Um, eight figures. Eight figures. That's how big it is. Early eight signs. Early eight figure work for hire development agreement. What's eight figures? That that's the ten, tens, tens of, of millions. millions. Tens of millions. Yeah. Okay. For, so that, do they I mean, say what platform it's looking at there? Uh, if that's mobile, that could be big. Let's have a look. I don't think so. Um, what has Playside released in the past? A lot of console. Ah, uh, uh, sorry, no, a lot of a lot of uh, mobile games, I believe. Oh, they did a uh, at that uh, the toy one recently. Um, Archangel toy? No, no, no toy warfare. Uh, toy warfare. I remember that. They had another warfare. They did Jumanji, and I think they they also did Animal World Walking warfare. Walking Dead Saints and Sinners, which I think is a VR game. That's a VR yeah. game, yeah. Yeah, right. Okay, so they do... So, it so seems Toy like Warfare. They're... That's on the Apple Store. So they do mobile games. It looks like they do a bit of everything. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, right. Well, so now the the job is to incentivize... Um, to, uh, not, yeah, 2K to <laughs> reopen a studio here. Yeah. So yeah. Queensland, yeah. South Australia, get your incentives in order. Maybe have that 30% <laughs> rebate that no one can use. I mean, yeah, it sounds like they're potentially just using uh, Playside as kind of their yeah. in-house studio in Australia. Mm. That's essentially what I'm taking from that. Sure, surely well, those incentives, those two are, sorry, surely, yeah, those are definitely interlinked. I mean, um, I mean they haven't, I don't think they've announced it, but... Surely, like it's uh, it's a stepping stone of here's a, something that's been signed, and um, the new studio might be the ones working on it or partly working on it. Mm. It's really cool, though. Well, yeah, fifteen percent uh, rebate. Keep keep an eye on it as that goes. But yeah, all right. Thanks everyone for tuning in to the cafe. And uh, Chantel, huh? Does does everyone have their drinks this time? Oh, I actually do. We ask every single week. Every yeah. What do you got, Alex? I have just. (gasps) Is that Police Academy? No, that's a Brooklyn Nine Nine. I'm an amazing detective (laughs) slash genius. (laughs) Um, it's hazelnut coffee. 
Oh, yes. I've got Hazelnut. that too. You got that too? Yeah. I'm not drinking it right now, but I, I just want you to know that I have it. <laughs> I am so glad you have it. Hazelnut is such an underappreciated flavor. It I is. Agree. I don't know about you guys. All right. Look, after Chantel's poll, <laughs> I'm going to put down another poll because yeah. I've always liked like hazelnut latte and every time I went uh, to cafes with like with the boys, as you do, <laughs> uh, and you ask for the hazelnut lattes, they're like, yeah, <laughs> they're like, they're like, oh, what the hell? You drink, you drink syrups and you drink hazelnut lattes. That's like, come on, man, you got to try it. You will be converted 100%. <laughs> you got to taste the Kool Aid. <laughs> <laughs> the hazelnut Kool Aid. I 100% agree. Um, me and uh, my mate Jed, we had. One hazelnut milkshake. And you know how hard it is to find a hazelnut milkshake? Mm. That literally changed my life. Yep. Yeah. Hazelnut milkshake. They um, hazelnut everything except Nutella for other reasons. But that is like the, <laughs> this is a good thing. So everything thing. that's made Alex who he is is Star Wars Rogue Squadron and a hazelnut milkshake. <laughs> oh, my God. <coughs> if you can provide these things, I will. It's been a hard man to please. I don't know what. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't have a lot more to pro- offer, but it will just make me very happy. Uh, awesome. Your happiness that's is awesome. enough for us, Alex. Oh, thanks, that Chantel. beaming you know, smile. You know, yes. I live to give. <laughs> um, but thank you. Uh, yes, Chantel, what are you? What are you sipping on? Oh, I got my Audrey Kawasaki mug. Hey, um, yeah, a bit fancy. And I'm drinking some honey and lemon water to try to cure my bronchitis i'm pretty sure that's how that works <laughs> well okay Chantel came onto this with bronchitis <laughs> <laughs> there's been a lot of muting while i cough going on <laughs> i was gonna say if there's anything people should learn about coming onto our podcast is that it will give you some kind of vocal disease <laughs> <laughs> costa what do you say oh i'm boring i got I got some water, some H2O. No, it's good, healthy. You're drinking uh, dinosaur pee, my friend. That is correct. <laughs> That's more interesting than my coffee. Aren't we all, we're all flavor. drinking dinosaur pee on this blessed day. <laughs> uh, and on that, note, on that note, we hope you guys have enjoyed this episode. Um, if you have any ideas for articles that you'd like to share, like us to discuss, um, post them in the Cafe Bullions channel in the AGD Discord. Um, or come check out our current poll thread, which Alex or one of the others will lovingly put together um, once this episode's out. Ah, that bossing um, just threw me under. <laughs> Alex, that cool. Uh, <laughs> and uh, whoever's editing this will cue the music in a sec. Uh, but apart from that, you guys have a great week, fortnight, and we'll see you next time. Have a good one. See ya. See ya. Cafe Bullions is hosted in Adelaide, South Australia. If you know of anything happening or would like to reach out to us or have a chat, you can find us on Twitter at LiveBullions or by emailing us at hello at LiveBullions.com.